Welcome to the 24 Stories podcast that aims to educate, inspire and help build brands. I'm your host, Stephen Ryan, founder of 24 Stories, and I'll be joined each week by guests from a variety of industries here to tell you how they built their brands. Welcome to episode 17 of the 24 Stories podcast, and this week we're going to look at the business of football, and I'm delighted to welcome the new owner of Cork City Football Club, Dermot Usher, to the 24 Stories podcast. Welcome, Dermot. Thanks, Stephen. Now, for those of you listening, we recorded this episode on the day of the first game of the season, so obviously we wish them the best of luck with that game and also the rest of the season, and hopefully it's a good result when this comes out. So, Dermot, um, before we get into the whole football business, um, I suppose I want to find out the backstory. That's obviously not a Cork accent we hear. Dublin accent, I'm guessing. Yeah, from Redfarnham originally. Grew, grew up there. Uh, went to school in Turner College. Yeah. Um, which was a real sort of rugby school. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And then uh, moved to Kildare in 1998. Yeah. Um, and I've been in Kildare ever since. And in Terranur, like, what was the plan? So you were in secondary school, where, like, what was the vision going forward? What did you want to get into? I, I actually was, as a, as a teenager, I really didn't know, ever know what I really wanted to do. Yeah. I went I went to college, it was a great experience in the school, but I was never really academic. Yeah. Um, I, I, so probably when I look back now, you know, if, if you said to me, I have to go back to college now and sit down and study for for a degree or whatever, yeah. that yeah. would be my worst nightmare. You'd hate it. I'd hate it. Yeah. Yeah. I very much learn and I've learned and I've realised that I've learned through uh, conversation, through yeah. video, through, you know, maybe reading a, a book that interests me. Yeah. I might pick up one sentence out of a book and it, it it's worth buying the book for that one sentence. So that's generally how the way um, I've actually, um, I've, I've, I've actually tried to learn throughout my life you know and that's learned by doing so really <laughs> yeah very much so yeah very much so um, I probably have nat- natural at- at- attributes in certain ways yeah. and then other things that I'd probably struggle with yeah. Um, yeah but certainly from an education point of view went to secondary school I repeated the leave insert at the time I got a very 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 average leave insert yeah Um left school, worked for an animation company as a runner and yeah. that was on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. In in this country? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Was, Mur- I never knew that was made here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mur- Murakami Wolves. So I worked on a few episodes of that. Yeah. Um, and then I was doing everything and ev- anything in the place. Really, really enjoyed that as a, as a 18 year old. And was that something that you, like you thought, I, I'd love to get into that kind of film business? Not at all. It was just, just, happened. just happened. I knew somebody that was working in there and they got me sorted yeah, out for yeah. a job. Um, and I went from there and I, I went to work and I worked in the bank for six months in the legal department, yeah. you know, uh, chasing, ch- the chasing, chasing people for money. Um, I did a bit of tele sales and then yeah. I ended up getting a repping job with a company called Alert Packaging, selling plastic packaging. Yeah. Um, and then when I was 21, my dad got sick. Uh, my dad had his own business. He had a bathroom distribution business. John yeah. was, was my dad's name. And uh, he got sick, he got cancer, diagnosed with cancer when I was 21. And I said to him, uh, do you want me to come in and work for you? And he said, yeah, come in and give me a handout. So I did that, left the job I was in. And uh, unfortunately, he passed away then when I was 23. So uh, pretty much the day after my dad was buried, myself and my brother was in the business at the time as well. I was 23 years of age and took over the running of a business. So, yeah. And that's tough because you're dealing with the emotion of your dad passing. 
and then you're trying to take over a business that you're relatively new in as well. Well, the reality is I didn't deal with the, the, the emotion of my dad passing and that's that that's the mistake. That's, yeah. That was the biggest mistake that I made for myself. Like I, I remember at 10 o'clock the day after my dad was buried, I was back out doing sales calls again just to show we're, we're still in business. Yeah. You know, my dad would have been distributor for Twyfer Bathrooms up until maybe six months before he died. Uh, and that agency was given away to somebody else, thankfully, because for, for myself and my brother, it was like, an, a, you know, it was took a lot of pressure off us. They had to pay us compensation to get out of an agency, agency agreement. And yeah. we, we started with three products. Uh, we had one range of shower tray, one range of bathroom accessory, and we used to make like whirlpool baths. Yeah. And, uh, first, and they were your own products, were they? They, they were products we brought in from, uh, well, the whirlpool baths, we used to make them ourselves. Yeah. People would send us a bath and we converted convert it into like a jacuzzi system. Um, and then um, the other products we used to bring in from the yeah. UK. And first year turnover was probably about 300,000 euro. But the, the whole thing then about my dad dying um, was that I... I probably just got on and dealt with my life mm. and I pushed that, oh, his death. Away, Absolutely, yeah. And it came back to bite me in the backside probably 10 years later when probably wasn't going through a good, good place in my life. Hitting, yeah. hitting my early 30s. Uh, wasn't wasn't happy. I probably hadn't been happy for quite some time and had gotten to a point in work where we were we were doing okay, yeah. but I, my mind and everything wasn't on the job. And then I, I went some for bereavement counseling and got some support for myself. And uh, have never looked back since. So, like, when you were 23 and you took over, like, did you have to decide between you and your brother who was running the business or, or did you kind of do a co-sharing kind of thing? Like, what, what happened? Yeah, the way, it, the way it worked was my brother was, he was a qualified plumber, so okay. I, he looked after the technical side yes. of the business um, and I would have looked after all the sales, marketing, finance end of it. Yeah. So, the way it worked is that if we decided we're looking at a new product, I would look at it from sales, price, margin, marketing, all that. And he'd look at it from a quality point of view to see, was he happy with it too? And that's what, that's how we used to work it going forward. And it was just the two of you? There was the two of us and we had a girl, Sharon, in the office. That yeah. was it. Yeah, three of us. Yeah, that was it. We had a mortgage on a warehouse on this Keys in Dublin. So it's only when I look back now and I look up, my own sons are 22 and 20 now. Yeah. And I look at Sean and Sean's like just, 20, just in the final year of college in UCD. And I look at, you know, he's almost the age I was yeah. when I did when that happened yeah. in my life, and I look back and say, "My God, it was it was quite an ordeal at the time." But I didn't really realize at the time it was such an ordeal because you were thrown into it. I was, you didn't yeah, realize. I know it was sink or swim, yeah. very much sink or swim, yeah. And did you get outside consultancy, or did you just do it yourselves? Or just did it myself? Yeah, basically, yeah, yeah. yeah. We were lucky that um, you know we had an account at the time, John Gavin, and he used to come in, you know on a monthly basis yeah. um, and just sit down as so we could go through the numbers and we were always we were always very disciplined mm. on the numbers end of it you know um, I'd be always very very close even now with Cork City I know my numbers mm. and I one and one is two and yeah. that, that'll never change yeah, and yeah, yeah. Uh, I was always very very tight on the money side of it and uh, I think strategically I always probably naturally got it yeah. um, as well and I think there's some things that you just can't teaching college uh, and I just feel that I probably have an aptitude towards that end of business and it, that's that's what stood me and I just feel I've got, gotten lucky along the way too yeah Was there also a case as you were building that business then you were kind of doing it for your dad as well kind of, Was um, that in the back of your mind kind of No I think well like obviously my dad was always in the back of my mind and he's still in my yeah. back of my mind to, yeah. to, to this day because I would have been very 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 close Yeah, and I always describe I always describe it as um if you can imagine somebody having Forrest Gump by the back of the neck and, you know, you let go. Yeah. Well, if you imagine Forrest Gump running, 
that's what I did for 10 years yeah, about yeah. my dad's death. You yeah. know, I, I never dealt with it at the time. Yeah. And it came back then. And just, I just, find, once I got on top of that, then I was in a much, and I've, you know, it's, I still continually work on myself personally, you know. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's part of my life that um, I'm appreciative of yeah. um, because everybody has a story. And yeah, I'm very yeah. aware of what my own story is, you know. And after that period, then where you, you went for bereavement counseling and, and so on. Did you find that that also impacted on the business then that your mindset had changed? 100% because everything changed because I was now focused on the business where before I was just, I would have had blank days in my diary. I just wasn't in a good place. Yeah. Um, and we, we, we survived. But once I got myself and spent a bit of time working on myself, um, we literally grew the business at that point. It was probably turning over about couple of million mm. and within the space of from then until now it went from 2 million to 50 million oh yeah now in, th in that time it went from 2 million to up to about 20 to early 20s when then the crash happened the 2008 yeah, yeah crash came along and turnover would have dropped from 20 to 16 to 14 to 12 to 10 and it stabilized at 10 for a couple of years mm. we obviously made had to make redundancies one decision that we made at that time was we we we, we are view was always we're better off making people redundant and then the people that were left behind they were staying in the business we never cut their wages we always wanted them to maintain the level of wage because we always felt that as soon as you touch somebody's wage yeah. they're always now looking out the door where is there something else that I need to move to yeah. to get more money so that was a for me that was a good decision we made at the time but that was like you know again I've been still only I don't even know what age I was back back then late late um Probably 30s, were you? Yeah, in the stage, 30s, yeah. yeah. So late 30s, whatever. So there was a lot of big decisions had to be made, yeah. but they had to be faced. Um, and thankfully, like we still, I, you know, Richard Sloan is this current CEO of the business. He's he's working in the business 18, 19 years. Just yeah. some of the girls, Catherine and Denise and yeah. uh, Kim, they're all there at that length of time too. Uh, Ian Flanagan within the business be there over 20 years. So we've we've a stalwart of people that st stuck with us through thick and thin. Yeah. But at the same time, we supported them through thick and, yeah, thick yeah. and thin too. And like for people listening, because we got a lot, a lot of SME owners listening mm. to this podcast, how did it go from 2 million to 50 million? Like what was the, the key ingredient for that? Was it like hard sales? Was it building a brand? Like what was it? it became, really, it became building a brand. So I, our business was the traditional uh, distributor model within bathrooms, which was we, we used to buy product from manufacturers in the UK or in Spain mm -hmm. or in Poland or whatever. And we'd sell them on at a cost plus margin basis. Yeah. And the same as what everybody else used to do. Mm -hmm. And then about oh, 18 years ago, whatever, can't remember. Uh, I decided, I looked at, you know, setting up an umbrella brand, which was called Sunnus. Yeah. And I basically used, we had, we were distributing, back distributing Twyford bathrooms at the time, which my dad, as the age that was taken away from us before yeah. my dad died, we took it back on. And, you know, we, we, we came up with a 72 page catalogue. And the difference between our business now compared to then was we, we looked, we changed our focus. So our focus at the time was always distributors or looking for ourselves into the retail shop. Yeah. And we changed tact completely and we looked at everything from the, re the retail customer back to us. And once you looked at, the, once you started to look at things with that lens, yeah. everything changed. Yeah. So we put ourselves in the shoes of uh, Mr. and Mrs. Joe Bloggs, hasn't bought a bathroom in 15, 20 years, really hasn't got a clue what they're looking for. Um, so we, we, we wrote the catalogue for them yeah. as regards, well, what do they want to see? They want to see a picture, a price, dimensions. Um, and 
it was it was literally as simple as that and that all the products that we do were in the one catalogue and you literally just pick the products out and the retailers loved it because for them it almost it guaranteed a margin for yeah. them um, and for us it helped our margins too because uh, rather than working on a, a cost plus mentality where you're competing on price the whole time you're now competing on uh, a retail price point where it's now level of service um, and that was the other thing that you know from a certain we, were, we are still very 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 much a service led business um, everything and it, it's a bit like I've probably since come into Cork City as well used, used all the same philosophies yeah. that I've used in, in Sonas Bathrooms which would be that you know if somebody's asked a question online answer the question if yeah. somebody's got a problem solve the problem deal with the problem and once you deal with the problem people will buy into you yeah. um, and you know if this, if you've done something wrong just stick your hand up and say do you know what made a bags of that yeah. or we do have a problem and you know People just respect that too. And we would have always felt that, you know, a problem is actually an opportunity mm. where if you deal with somebody's problem promptly and effectively, they'll sing praises from you from the, from, from the heights, you know. And uh, that's what we're trying to do. We're, we're trying to do the, I suppose, the mindset and trying to instill into Cork City that if somebody's got a problem or they want to know Solid. what's going on, talk to them. No problem. So did you position yourself as a kind of a premium bathroom brand? So... Or like like against maybe the overseas competition, like how did that work? No, I think not necessarily as a premium mm. b- bathroom brand. I think now we're becoming to step up more premium yeah. type products. Yeah. Um, but and now the business is now we don't buy brand we don't buy from brands anymore. Mm. We now design our own product, uh, source our own product. So everything that we're bringing in is basically being designed in house. Quality tech compliance in in house, meeting all the different standards. Um, so when people, you know, all the new house build, like we'd have probably 40, 50 percent of the new house build market in Ireland. So um, and then on the commercial side as well, we can deal with a lot of we can just deal with a lot of problems that architects or contractors might have on site or even what specifiers are looking for, um, you know, to do a bream and stuff like that, which mm-hmm. is all compliance to do with water saving and, and all that. So uh, sustainability is a massive part of the Sunnis business. And that, that has changed a lot in that period. Yeah, very much so. And that becomes, you know, with the level of turnover that we're at, we're now in a position that we can keep driving all that type of pro- yeah. product forward. And that keeps us ahead of the opposition. So uh, price isn't as relevant. Uh, we're competitively priced, mm. but it's not the be all and the end on. You're not competing with the local Joe Soap distributor because he just can't touch you on the, on the product because our products meet standard. And like you were saying, it was growing and then obviously the crash came in. That, the whole building trade just kind of collapsed yeah. overnight. Yeah, yeah. We would have gone from probably close to 50 employees at that time down to maybe to 25. So yeah. literally half the workforce. And then we would have built up a lot of, we were always strict on the money collection and who we dealt with. As yeah. You know, we never dealt with, I call them fly by nights or whatever. Yeah, we were always yeah. strict on that end of it. And uh, so we would have had built up a lot of cash. We had no debt in the business mm. and we built up a lot of cash um, in, in the business so that when you know, after the crash and we started to see what we call green shoots yeah. coming around a bit of an uptake in the market. We really reinvested very heavily back into the business. So we put a, put another two million back into stock, put in a showroom up in the, a trade showroom in Ballycoolan for, you know, tradesmen or whatever to come in and send yeah. people to have a look. And then we invested very heavily into the sales force as well, specifically looking at, uh, for example, the new house build market. So we had a guy just dedicated to go at the new house builders. He didn't call into any shops. He literally went talk to builders. We would go to local, the retailers in the local areas. Every product that Sonnet sold was always through a retailer, always. 
but we would have had arrangements in place where we know what the level of margin that the retailers were happy to work with. And um, basically, when a, when, a, when a merchant said, when, sorry, when a contractor said to us, when we agreed a price, he said, we'd ask them, like, who, do you want the, who do you want the order to go through? So yes. they might have said DPL or Irish International or Cork Builders or whatever. Um, and they would have decided where it went and we were able to facilitate that and we would have supplied everything going on in the bathroom wise going into that house then. And that was probably important because the likes of those builders providers then could trust you as well. So they're going to throw business here with. Well, we're bringing them business yeah. and it, it works both ways. Yeah. It works both ways, yeah. So they, they're, you're not a threat No, no, them. it's a partnership. Absolutely yeah. partnership. It has to be win-win for everybody, yeah. Because at the same time they were dealing with I suppose the cheaper alternatives, whether it was your your big B and Qs or IKEAs or whatever, coming yeah. in with a cheap DIY alternative, yeah, and that's probably a challenge for them. So they 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 need someone they could trust. Yeah, the, well, yeah, to a point, I suppose the the, the the DIY market in bathrooms has never really taken off here compared to say what has happened in the UK. Yeah, um, I think mainly because the size of the stores, you know, mm. and the bathroom end of it. And bathrooms are a difficult product to sell. There's a lot yeah. of knowledge uh, to sell it. And that's why even with our retail catalogue, you know, the, the, the people that work in the retail shops loved it because we took so much work up and we just made it easy. So we would have, we have and currently have a 96, 97% first time fulfillment rate. So basically whatever's in our 400 page catalogue, we have it in stock and you can have it next day. So if you order before three o'clock today, mm. you will have it Monday morning. Yeah. First yeah. thing. Um, and we broke into the, we, you know, we were dealing exclusively for a period of time in the Republic of Ireland and then we moved into the Northern Ireland market and the guys in the Northern Ireland couldn't understand how we were able to take an order from them at four o'clock on a Thursday and have it delivered to them by 11 o'clock the next morning and they might have had a local distributor 200 yards down the road that would take a week to get them the product. Yeah, It's just a completely different level of service that we're offering, yeah. That's a, a marketing tool in itself in terms of building the brand and that guaranteed success of delivery each time. It's a barrier to entry for other people to come into the market because we, we set the standard and we were always looking to increase. So we set the standard as regards the, the point of sale material. Um, even now we have, for example, we offer, you know, Sun has offered a facility where we will actually come in and design the showroom. You put a showroom with a, a Sun as bathroom showroom within the showroom. There's a number here in Cork already and they're very, very, very successful. Um, you know, very cost effective and it's a win-win for, we, we partner up with certain people to do that. Um, but we've our own in-house person, uh, Amory, going around the country, to, you know, designing all those mm. showrooms. Yeah. And you were saying that it's very technical. So is there an educational piece in that too, in terms of, are you like, was it always a case of educating plumbers and contractors about what you do? Like, did you have shows, trade shows and stuff for them? It's educating everybody. So, yeah. you know, our, you know, our customer is anybody who will specify a product, touch the product, pay mm. for the product. And, you know, things like we have, we've done, even during COVID, we've done, and been very, very successful doing online. So if someone by building a new house, for example, we used to have, we had um, uh, interior designer online with Richard Sloan, the CEO, and doing online courses. So if you're buying your bathroom and actually run people through the whole range of product, yeah. uh, and then we'd be able to answer there and then all the questions that, that people had. We'd obviously do any trade shows, um, house exhibition. Well, that's not there anymore. Uh, the ideal home exhibition we'd be at, um, new you know the new house, um, what's that new house building exhibition called as well around the, around the country, yeah, yeah, being Mill Street and stuff. So yeah. that we do lots of different things um, around. We try to be in as as transparent or as for, as visible for people to see the business as we can. Yeah, and I suppose there has been a change in the market then in the last couple of years where people have started to renovate homes 
probably on the back of TV shows like Room to Improve and stuff like that yeah. where they're kind of looking at what they have and building on rather than going to a new house. So yes. that's probably developed a whole new... Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And generally, for us, our experience would be that people will always, when you're when you're doing that type of job, mm. that type of work in your home, you'll always go up a spec yes. on maybe what you would have bought, put in originally. Obviously, you buy a new house or mm. things are tight, what goes in goes in. The PC um, sum is a small It thing. is yeah, a smaller yeah, sum. Yeah. And then when you go to do it the second time around, you usually have a few more quid yeah. and you spend a few more quid. So we're obviously grateful for that too, yeah. So grateful for Dermot Bannon in <laughs> yeah. particular. Dermot's a great fellow, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No doubt. Um, you know, so it's, it, it's really interesting. So like, were you managing director of the business up until what, what time? Did I, I, yeah, look, I ran the business. Yeah. But to be honest, I was, like there was never a title on my card. At any stage? Not really, no. I, the only, when, when a title would come onto my card when uh, we sold the business. We sold the business in, in originally we sold it in 2017. So my brother exited the business at that stage. Okay. And uh, as part of the deal that was done, I stayed on. Yeah. And I retained 45% of the business. Okay. Um, and the business then, we put the business on the market again last year. So private equity bought into us. So the way they work is they'll come in, invest. They saw a great opportunity for sales, which was turned out to be correct. Yeah. And uh, we put the business on the market they look to exit usually after between three to five years yeah. and so the time came up last year for them looking to exit we decided to put the business on the market um, we were negotiating with a particular trade buyer they were acting the maggot and management team came to us three of the management team came to us and said look we'd like to buy the business and we put a we put a package together for them to allow them to do it yeah. um, a company called Musenich an American finance company came in and put the debt into the business allowed facilitated the the, the, the sale to happen yeah. um, I still you know I still retain 33% of the, of the business yeah. I still on the board I don't have any day to day dealings yeah. other than I might get the odd phone call here or yeah. there but there's a um, a management team in place there now who are you wouldn't find three of the better guys they're just Good, straightforward, decent, hardworking people. The first time when when you kind of, I suppose, went for outside equity coming in and your brother left the business, I know you still stay there, but was it hard to give over control of the family business because it had been in your ownership? It was never a family business. That's the thing. And I never looked at it as a family business. I always looked at it as a business. And my attitude was, because for me, the psyche was, well, if it's a family business, it's always of a certain size and it's limited and it's whatever. And I never want, my attitude was always from day one, this is not a family business, it's a business. And if Hewlett-Packard were the best business around, I wanted to be as good as Hewlett-Packard. And that's where I probably showed probably disrespect my competition in that I didn't care what they were doing. We were going to do what we were doing yeah. ourselves yeah. Uh, and just do the right, just do the right thing mm. um, and just do it our way. And that's what we did. And we generally like to swim. I generally like to swim against the tides. Yeah. I don't like to swim yeah. with the tides, generally yeah. against it and uh, try to be innovative when we, where we can. Um, so that that's what we did and it just turned out to be successful. And then even the control piece, I never use the word control about myself. Mm. I'm in charge there's a big difference yeah, okay, okay. Um, my middle name is Delegate I am the best delegator ever yeah. and I have an unbelievable ability to say no to people and I don't have to feel bad for saying no yeah. because it's the right thing to do um, and that's the bit for me where when you delegate you're giving other people responsibility and ownership so if mm. someone comes to me with a, with a, with a, an idea no problem. I mean, this has happened to Cork City where around some of the, the camps people have been given ownership. 
you you write the business plan. Yeah. I'll support you on it, but you write it. Yeah. You take ownership of it and you run it. Yeah. Um, and that's the way, you know, I used to do it in Sonus as well. People Get people to take ownership of their areas and trust them. The best business book I ever read was a book called Good to Great by Jim Collins. Yeah. And it's a good example for me of, there was just one one example in the book, it said, you know, to get the right pe- get the right people on board the bus, and you can drive the bus anywhere. Yeah, and that's what I that's what I always tried to do. So once I got the right people, so people would have you know said about you know taking people from within our industry. Yeah, I didn't care about taking people within our industry. I prefer to get the right person and train them up. Yeah, rather than just taking the next person from your competitor from, from or something. Competitor, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah so that, that's how we used to do it. Yeah. And you often say find people that are better than yourself at certain areas. Is that the case with yourself as well? Hundred yeah. percent. You, know, you can't be an expert. At no, everything. no. My, you know, the, the key to good management is getting people in that are better than you. Yeah. You know, and that's where this control element comes in. Where if you're too controlling, I find within a business, you're just stifling absolutely everybody around you. And you have to ask yourself the question: What's that about? Is it your, mm. is it your ego preventing that? Yeah. Is it just control issues? Is it fear what is it but the simple reality is I allow people to take ownership of their area of expertise you know even the I just announced the board uh, the board of management for, for Cork City yeah. and each of those people offer different areas of expertise mm. of things of which I don't have experience of necessarily yeah. um, I could probably do a lot of the stuff but I just need, I need a shoulder just to, not to cry on but I, I need to be able to pick up the phone and just touch base and check things out you know, stuff on the, the PR side, on the HR side, on the finance side, uh, on the marketing side, on the commercial side. So they're all on the football side. So Damien Delaney's just been appointed onto the board as well. Yeah. So all the, all those those people have way more experience than me. But I'm in a lucky position now that I can, you know, pick up the phone and talk to them. And they're all willingly come on to board as volunteers to be part of something. Now we have to go, we, now we're all on the bus. Let's yeah. Let's drive the bus as far as we can and have a good bit of fun along the way. And that's interesting because when I look at small companies and as I said, I know for a fact that there's a lot of SME owners listening to this and some of them are progressing their company. They've they've gone past 10, 20 employees. When does it come to the stage where you have to get a board? Like what, what was the what was the stage where for let's say in in Sonus like when did you create a board? Was it when investment came in yeah, or was it all basically the... yeah like even with Cork City I look I don't didn't don't need, have I to. don't have to do it yes I don't have to do it but I felt it was important for a couple of reasons one you know the Zeus sponsorship is yeah. is quite significant yeah. and I've sponsored clubs in the past. Mm. And really didn't know where maybe the money was going yeah. or how it was being spent. Yeah. And you might say, well, that's none of my business. But I'm looking to build long term mm. uh, partnerships with, 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 with sponsors and with corporates. And I don't think any of them would want to know that their money is being wasted. OK. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why, for example, Keith Ockenden now has come on as chairman of the board. He's over from the UK today. Mm. Um, he's absolutely buzzing. He's on, literally texting me every day. Yeah. Can't wait yeah. for the match yeah. uh, tonight. And he's come on the board and he's mad excited about it because it's something different for him then as well. Yeah. He's the CEO of a half a billion euro company yeah. coming onto the board. This is invaluable to me. Yeah, huge. Um, and everybody else has come onto the board as well. Just they're mad excited for it and they're really up for it. Um, and that's that's the key is to bring people. My job is to bring people along on a journey now. Um, and, you know, certainly on the commercial end of it, there's, I have a lot of work to do on that. We've done really, really well, mm. but we can do much better, I feel. Um, and, you know, I I want transparency for sponsors to come on board to say, look, I've nothing to hide here. Mm. If I make a few quid of this, great, but I don't expect to. This is going to, I'm going to have to write a check probably for this. Uh, yeah. 
but I don't want it, but I will. Um, and I'm willing to underwrite it. Um, yeah. So that's, that's but as long as we keep doing the right thing, that's the key to what I, my messaging. Keep doing the right thing and everything should fall in place. But it seems an interesting move leaving, well, not leaving the bathroom business to, to move into football. I know you're still there, but you're not there on a day-to-day basis. You're on the board of Sunnis. To move into the, into the world of football, which a lot of people will say... <laughs> You'll never make any money from it. Yeah, but now everything is about money. You okay. Know, I've, I've, is it a legacy thing? No, not necessarily. It's probably a challenge for me personally. Yeah. Um, you know, I I actually retired two years ago from Sonus. You know, that's how, that's how when I stepped back because we were putting the business on, onto the market. Yeah. I had to be seen to be stepped back from the business and Richard had taken over. So I had actually retired two years ago and I was perfectly happy retired. And quite young to be retired. Yeah, I'm 50. I just I was 53 last week. Yeah, yeah. And, and like what did, in that two year period, did you try and get involved in another business? Or no. No? Just no. step that, take no, it easy? I did nothing. Yeah. Well, I say I did nothing. I actually did loads, but I did loads of things that I wanted to do. So I played a bit of golf. I meet yeah. pals for coffee. Yeah. I've you know I've someone that I might mentor on a Wednesday, and yeah. somebody else I might meet for coffee on a Thursday. I had a fantastic life, fantastic lifestyle. I'm very, very I'm very, very lucky and privileged to have it to be yeah. able to have it. So when the opportunity came along then for Cork City, it was a decision for me because I knew it was going to affect my lifestyle. Yeah, it's affected my relationship with my partner Denise because she lives in Dundalk. Yeah, so the sacrifices on her side. Yeah, which. She's 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 made, and I'm really really grateful. That is she a Dundalk fan? <laughs> she is, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> like you, she, she is. For at one stage, they were the biggest rivals in the in the league. You know, you're, she, you know. she actually lives straight across the road from Oriel Park. Okay, you yeah. cut it's gas. It's absolutely gas. But uh, yeah, she is, and she's told me she'd be wearing the Dundalk colours when we're playing them. Interesting. But, but she's wearing Cork colours tonight. Um, Cork City colours so if I call him Cork I get reprimanded oh god yeah you I can guess, that's, yeah. that's if there's one piece of advice to take that me never say come I on Cork punished. or anything like yeah, that that's the GA yeah. <laughs> so yeah so uh, yeah so it's just yeah it's it was just a challenge for me that's yeah. the yeah and how did it come about did, did you hear did you kind of just hear it on the grapevine that I got approached by the FEI okay. uh, some of the FEI I'd be close to approached yeah. me yeah it was something I had looked at it a number of years ago. I was approached by somebody a few years ago, but three or four years, three years another ago. Another club? No, another, somebody else in Cork approached me three years ago to look at the club. Okay. And uh, I had a few conversations with them and didn't take it any further. Yeah. So then um, I got approached, uh, yeah, before, just coming up towards September time last year. Yeah. I got a, pro- I got a phone call from someone in the FEI to say, look, would you be willing to have a conversation here? Yeah. And I said, yeah, absolutely. And I met Aina a few times and uh, we had a couple of conversations, understood what the lay of the land was yeah. and we, we decided to take it further. And my original thing was always with any, I, I had had conversations. People have said to me, oh, you looked at buying X, Y and Z. I, I, I spoke to other clubs. Uh, I spoke to the people in the dock as well at one point. And again, I pulled away there because I just wasn't happy with I just was. I felt. Yeah, I just wasn't happy with what was going on there. Was, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's a it's a good club, but there was yeah there was there was bits there I I wouldn't have suited me. Put it that way. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I made the decision not to go ahead there, um, and then when the Thor- Cork thing, Cork City thing came up, um, the opportunity arose. I had conversations with a few people to see if could I get a few people on board. Yeah. And nothing happened there. Mm. And. Uh, Basically, I made the decision to do it myself and I had no intention of ever doing a football investment on my own. Yeah. It was always good for me going to have four or five lads in or mm. women or whatever going in and doing, mm. putting X amount of money in every year and sharing mm. the load. But the Cork City one for me was a bit of a no brainer. It 
everyone talks about the potential. Mm. Well, my objective now is to fulfill that potential. That's the bottom line. Personality wise, I'm very much a driver and I'm very much I get things done mm. and it won't be we won't be standing still. It's very much like I think even, you know, the people that are working with the club, you know, I've seen that already. You know, mm. I'm not afraid to change and I'm not afraid to stand up for things that need to have have a bit of change. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But again, it's just to bring te- bring people along on a journey with us. And like there's been lots of ups and downs with that club. Were you scared to take it over because they've been on the verge of bankruptcy near about three times, they if have, not more? They have, but it's also maybe just understanding why. Yeah. Um, and I'd have liked to think I've looked at pretty much every club. Like I would have done my own SWOT analysis on all the League of Ireland clubs and yeah. looked at their own strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats, all that type of stuff, and looked and understand and understand why clubs aren't haven't been successful. Yeah. Now it's it's easier to understand why. The next bit is what's stopping us from being successful. Yeah. Uh, the there was a big attraction in that it's Cork City. It's the city, but it's also the county as well. It is really, it's, yeah, and yeah. It's, it's a big marketplace, you know, mm. and there's things that we can do. Um, I also have probably plenty of ideas as well um, about, you know, running events and stuff like that as well, which also will be fundraising. Um, I would also, you know, in the club, the, the requirement for having full-time staff and more full-time staff within the club. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you know, it's only when I saw the work that the Fours Board, all as volunteers, you know, over the years have done mm. on top of a full-time job. Yeah. Just can't do it. Just can't do it. Like, it's it's impossible. Did you um, feel that if someone did it full-time, that it potentially would create better results? 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, it needs, it needs, it's a business. And if you don't, mm. if you don't treat it mm. like a two million turnover business, mm. you're not going to, you're not going to make, make a go of it. Yeah. You know, you just, you just won't work. Just won't work. So I'm pretty much, I'm working pretty much four or five days a week now. And I have to say I'm loving it and uh, I'm down in Cork you know two three days a week I came down Wednesday and back home tomorrow I'm back down again Monday Tuesday back home so I'm down it's only two or just over two hours for me on a trip and I stay down mm. when I'm down and it's just meet people for coffees do podcasts and yeah. mix the likes and it's just been good fun so far yeah because it's interesting I can see a lot of the similarities before the podcast we were talking the fact that I was in the club and I remember when I joined the club um it was a similar vision, but it was Arcadia and there were a London investment group that were headed up by a guy from Cork. Um, and a bit like what you had, actually, with Sunless, where, where, where the, when the crash happened, all the money was taken because they were invested elsewhere. Mm. And, and then they put it into examinership. But I think they had the vision and potentially you might be taking it on from where they left off. No, I think the biggest mistake they made at the time was they didn't bring in football people as well. And that's great to hear that you have the likes mm. of Damien Delaney. Uh, you know, that they're, it's not just about the razzmatazz. It's not just about, you know, commercialising. It's business. Yeah, you have to look at the core business it's as business. well. It's business. And it's a bit like having, you know, would you have an engineering company without an engineer? Yeah. You know, you wouldn't. So it's it's not any more difficult. And I don't need to understand football necessarily. Yeah. I need to understand people. Yeah. And everything is about people. And once I get that, once we get that message across to everybody within the club, we'd be fine. You can you can specialise in your area of football. Like Colin Healy's not going to do the accounts for the club. No. You know, so he's got his area. Yeah. Everyone's got their area within the club mm. of expertise. And it's a case of just combining everybody together. And my job, I suppose, to, is to give a bit of direction, have a set of train tracks, try to get everybody within those yeah. set of train tracks and like, let's go on a bit of a journey here. 
um, and just keep bring, bringing people along and uh, encouraging people and be as positive as I can. And are you looking at clubs in overseas kind of, you know, when we when we do our kind of, I suppose, competitor analysis, but not even competitor analysis, when we look at the, the external factors, we look at benchmarks in the industry of small clubs who have done well. Are you doing that kind of stuff? Not, not at the moment in that my, my first piece is to get the basics right. Mm. When I get the basics right, now we're, now we're ready to move up to the next level. Yeah. What that next level is going to be, then yeah. I need to start looking at, well, what's been successful for other people. Yeah. Um, but I tend to, you know, it's, it's a case of just picking up ideas. There's loads mm. of podcasts out there and there's loads of things. Yeah. I've loads of people, I do, I already have people, I've someone coming over for the match today from the UK that's got massive experience, ex-chairman of a club in the UK yeah. coming over to me and I've built up a really good relationship with them, yeah. uh, Trevor Watkins and they're there as support to me, you know. So um, I've loads of people that I can now tap into and just have a call. And even the likes of, you know, so you spoke about Damien Delaney. I've had dinner with Damien twice in the last two weeks yeah. and he's been not, not afraid to put, put me in, not in my place, but he's been very good at saying, no, don't do that. Do, you know, just, just, just questioning me. Yeah. Um, and that's what I need. That's what I want. Um, I don't want to surround myself with yes people. I want people to say, no, yeah. hang on a second here, Dermot. Just have it step back and think about that for a second. And maybe, and, and I have the ability then to be able to sit back and think. And then if I still feel it's the right decision the day after or a week later, we can kick on with it. But I allow people, to, I want people to challenge me. When I say challenge, in a respectful way, yeah, as yeah. regards, like, is it, and talk about it. Um, and, that's probably my way of doing business, and you know, probably with even with Colin, you know, this, you know, you know, bringing in some maybe some of the players from Sweden that we brought in. There's a strategic element to that. Yeah, there's how did that come about? Well, look, that just came that came about from contacts that that we have. Yeah, um, there was an opportunity. We felt that there was no value really for us left in the Irish market. We felt all the value had gone. Yeah, um, so we had to look elsewhere, yeah. and we looked. Yeah, we we start we started to look and. Opportunity came up, and because of the one opportunity we took, another two came on board with that yeah. as well. And certainly, from our point of view, we've been delighted with the, with the three lads that have come in. Um, they're really professional about what they do. Um, you know, they're a little bit older, maybe than some of the other mm. guys that we have on board. Uh, they've been accepted very well. Mm. Uh, they got a good sense of humour. They've been, you know, they did um, stuff up in the club shop last Saturday. Yeah. Went down really, really well with the fans. My own son was there. Yeah. Was he? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah. So it's been very, very positive. Yeah. And again, it's all about bringing the right people on the board on board the bus. Yeah. And that includes players. Yeah. That player could be from. Whatever it doesn't yeah. really matter, and you already have uh, you know the, the centre back from Finland. Yeah, you know, like honest, yeah. yeah. So like, is that a new kind of model where you know there was a time when Irish clubs only brought people in from the UK? Yeah, no, they're looking that's changed farther away. That's changed. That the world is a small place. Yeah, the world's a small place, and uh, I think we need to be open as a club to doing things differently than what we did before. Yeah, and it comes down to value. Comes, it comes yeah. down to value. Yeah. And it's interesting that, you know, you have Damien on the board. I suppose Damien came through the youth system. And I'm, I presume with the likes of Liam Carney in the academy, that is something that's quite exciting when you take over a club like this is is the potential. I know it sounds awful, but they are products. They are, no, no, they are. They're, they're assets. That's they're, assets. they're assets, yeah. And that's that's an area for the club where there's been quite a bit of comment about you know, the, the price of Players. players going away yes. um, and it's certainly an, a, an area of the club that I expect to be 
there'll be a lot of focus on it for the next few years and that's that's in a positive way yeah um, I have somebody coming down for a meeting on Tuesday who's got a huge amount of experience in this area um, there's conversations that we need to have with agents with mm. the parents of academy players yeah there needs to be an understanding of what we do as a club for for those kids then yeah. too yeah. I will not stop any man woman or child yeah to, to live there, to, to chase their dream of going to the UK or to Europe. Yeah. But we want to be properly recompensed for, yeah. the, for the effort that we've put in to, to you know, to that, to that, to that kid or person that as well. Um, and we are to a point, mm. but I think we can do better. Um, and I think it needs to be a bit, bit more fair or bit fair or whatever the right term is for that. In many ways, his breaks have been quite a good thing for the it's League of Ireland. It's actually been good, yeah. It's actually been probably good. Because they can't poach players under no, 18? no, no. No. So you get to develop them and they can't take ownership. It is, ownership. but then there's, there's delicate situations around signing players at 16 and yeah. their willingness to sign. They mm. might already have agents and the agents are saying don't sign. Mm. But that's conversations that we need to have and they're, they're, they're conversations that we will be having with, with the people yeah. involved in the club. We've, we've already seen the likes of Cahill Heaven going to AC Milan yeah. and there's a few others going to Italy as well and, yeah. and different places. Yeah. So it's, it's, yeah. it's totally different to, yeah. the, to the, the way before. From the commercial point of view, then I presume the, the the goal would be to get as many bums on seats in Turner's Cross, and you know, right throughout the season. Is, Absolutely, yeah. Is that and where most of the money will come in? It come, a lot a lot of the money comes out there, but we 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 can't be reliant on just that mm. money. So you know, that's obviously a major one. Another one is commercial sponsorship, and yeah. I think we've done really well up until now, but we can do better. Yeah, um, and then there's also. I think I can't fundraise as such because I'm a private individual. Yeah. So what we're run, what we're going to do is we're going to run a series of events. So we're going to be launching in the next week or two a, a number of events that people that you know companies can buy into, and that will reward be able to reward staff or customers and bring them along. Brilliant. So, for example, um, at the end of this, at the end of the year, in the end of November, um, I'm still waiting. To, to confirm the location and the date for this, but we're going to have a black tie ball. Yeah. So again, 30 tables of 10 yeah. uh, and to celebrate the year that the club has had, whether yeah. it's good or bad on or off the pitch, we will be celebrating the year we've had because lots of people, any people that's going to be at that is going to be a true fan or put a lot of work and effort into the club yeah. and to celebrate it. And that's going to become an annual thing. So that's going to be called a football. So the whole idea is oh, that yeah, like it, yeah. Yeah, it's a black tie ball yeah. and basically you, you wear whatever you want on your feet and there'll be spot prize for the best footwear. Okay, that, okay, that's yeah. the time. Just something a bit different, of a, like quirky, a, yeah. a bit of a fun spin on it. Um, we're going to run uh, two golf days. So we've got one booked in Fode Island on the 16th of August. Yeah. Tea booked from half eight to half four. Yeah. Um, and then we've another one booked in the K Club on the 26th of June. Interesting. Outside uh, of Cork. Yeah. Two, yeah. two, two shotgun starts there, nine o'clock and half two. And then we're going to have a one home day match event, pre-match event. That venue is to be decided I met somebody yesterday and it's possible it'll be held in their location. Uh, and then the, the away one, it'll be at, that'll be a, for a Sean McGrover's match and the, there'll be a away one in Tala, one of the hotels beside Tala Stadium to do an away version. So the reason why we're doing stuff away from Cork is that there's a huge amount of people, like one of my neighbours is a mad Cork City fan. Yeah. yeah there's a load of people from that I would know in the business community in Dublin, for example, mm. who are not even from Cork. But then there's a lot of people from Cork in the in the city as well, yeah, they can't come down to matches. So what I'm doing is putting on events in Dublin for them to come to Dublin-based events. Yeah, trying to tap into the Cork diaspora or whatever. Yeah, um, and then the next stage after that is to try and tap into worldwide. After that, as regards, yeah, be able to sell and package up. You know, point of sale. You know, jerseys and all type of stuff 
you know, stuff we were, I've had a good meeting with Zeus yesterday. So we have a whole range of products hopefully going to come on stream, uh, being supported by Zeus that we can package up and nice for Father's Day gifts and Christmas yeah, gifts yeah. and all that. So there's a lot of work going on. It's 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 almost Cork City. I'm hoping will almost become an events company too, mm. um, and with the idea of potentially running gigs. I have an idea for a gig in Dublin, based around you know having based around Cork music, for example, yeah, yeah. and getting people to celebrate Cork City um, as well. So there's a, there's a number of different things that I'm looking at. Um, I'm going I'm underwriting the cost of all this stuff. Yeah. Those few events this year, I may or may not make money out of it. Yeah. But it's not really the point. I need to build on something. You need to build the brand. I need to build the brand on it, yeah. Um, and then, obviously, we'll be looking then to build up on the uh, commercial aspect of the club and also assisting with the very much a community aspect as well. Mm. Um, so there's a number of things. There's a couple of things I don't want to talk about now, but there's a, you know, straight away, we're, we're looking to there's a take on a, a community officer. That's been supported by Healthy Ireland and through the FAI as well. Yeah. And uh, that person will go out into the community, go to schools, it's all about live healthy, healthy living. Uh, so that's going to be coming on board in the next number of months as well. So that's another employee coming into the club too. But you've bought into a brand as well that I suppose if you look at um, one of the strengths of the brand is its actual name. There's very few things with the name of the city. Exactly. You know, exactly. so that's actually quite smart in terms mm. of events and stuff. And, you know, Cork as a population has grown dramatically. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I heard Simon Coveney talk at an event recently that the population of Cork has grown by 50% in wow. the last 20 years. Okay. okay. And that's expected to grow again. So, one club, one city. No offence to the people in Cove Ramblers. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. But it is very much seen as the, the club for the, yes. the city, whereas Dublin has a number of clubs. And it's really important as well. It, and that's the thing, that it's a very clear identity. And that was that was very attractive for me to come in as well. Yeah. So I there's no doubt about where the market is and mm. who we're trying to target. Yeah. Um, I do when we talk, say try to target. I think up until now the people who go to League of Ireland are the people who go to League of Ireland. Yeah. I honestly feel that there's a huge amount of people outside of those who could potentially start to come to matches. So I've spoken before in newspaper articles and other podcasts about. You know, my own experience of getting involved with League of Ireland. So yeah. my sons are 22 and 20 now. When yeah. My marriage split up when they were eight and six. Okay, yeah. And the kids used to save me on a Tuesday, Thursday, Tuesday, Friday, Saturday. So on a Saturday, they used, they used to play football and stuff. And then on a Friday night out there, I said, well, I'm going to do two, two lads. So yeah. we started going to football matches and we go for dinner, go to the match, we'd have to drive home. We did it every Friday. And every they enjoyed it properly. Friday. They're down here tonight. We still do it. We yeah. still do it. Um, I'd still send out a text on a Monday who's around on Friday now one of them might come neither of them might come you know yeah. they've got girlfriends and alcohol yeah, and, and different yeah, things, and that, that, things there's other things to interest them yeah. as well not just uh, football anymore but um, it's been it was an absolute saviour for my relationship with the kids Yeah, um, it was something that we did with each other which I think is not is really important so rather than do things for them like driving them to a match mm. and dropping them off or whatever it was for me it was do things with them mm. sit down communicate with them how was your week it was our weekly check in time and that became really 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 important um, and then for me there was a whole piece around loneliness and I've spoken openly this that you know that whole period of my life from my 20s up into my 30s or whatever and even as I as I went through and even as I had kids yeah, you know I felt alone quite a bit of the time too you yeah. know because you're running a business uh, you've got the kids mm. It's there's a lot of pressure on you there Huge. too and it just going to a football match for me just became somewhere where I could actually go on my own if I wanted the kids round around yeah. 
and I don't feel I don't feel alone there. Yeah, it is uh, a strange place yeah, where you and you can talk to somebody that you wouldn't even know. Absolutely, and that's happened to me all, all the time. Yeah. Every match I go to, you sit beside and talk about the game and I think even for people that might feel alone or don't have maybe their friends, you could, people go to different periods of life where they're, they're, all their friends might be married with kids yeah, and, yeah. and whatever. You stick a Cork City scarf on you tonight and yeah. like go to any pub yeah. Okay. Or after around the after the game. Yeah. You're going to meet anybody. You can talk to anybody because you got something in common with them. The match. Yeah. And you can talk yeah. to somebody. Um. And I think there's a whole piece of work that I'd like to do further with the club around around that around that whole loneliness piece and trying to tap into that. Um. Because I do think we as a club can help. Um. I've had conversations with the men's shed. Yeah. Um. I had hoped. Um. To get him, so the men's shed have a, a choir, the yeah. Cork City men's shed choir. I've had conversations there. I'd like to develop that further. Mm. Uh, I couldn't get it done quick enough. I, I had, um, I'd asked somebody uh, for to use permission to use the lyrics of a song to change the lyrics of one of their songs. Yeah, they haven't come back to me yet. So Mike Scott, if you're listening, come back to me with a yes or no, okay. please. So we have a whole song base that could ultimately could become a really good anthem for the club as yeah, well yeah, um, yeah. and get people behind and there's the male voice choir there's other stuff like that we're looking to do maybe on a Monday Monday morning memories type thing around at the, the base that at the club uh, where people can come and just on a Monday morning you might be retired you might want somewhere to come and have a cup of coffee just talk about the match that, from the previous weekend talk about memories of football you don't have to talk about football at all yeah. you just want to have a cup of coffee so that's something maybe in time we're looking to maybe try and develop as well so it's very much trying to tap into the whole community piece and in time obviously at the moment you know you have the training ground at Bishopstone that's just rented yeah like what, what like have you plans for the future in terms of getting your own I have plans. Place. I have plans, but I don't know what they are yet. Yeah, you have to wait and see. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I, there, there are plans. Like we, we don't have probably a, a tenure of security where we are. Yes. Um. So it is something that needs. There's probably a, a short term and a long term. There's probably not even a medium term in yes. this. Yeah. The short term or long term. So the long term view for me would be that we build, and this might be done in hopefully in partnership maybe with the likes of UCC or developer or something. Yeah. Where we will develop our own uh, academy facility which would incorporate, you know, two astro pitches, one of them in a dome, goalkeeping training area, three grass pitches, full set of offices, uh, tr- changing rooms. Yeah. That, has, that can't be funded by me. It's just, I just, A, yeah. I don't have the money to fund yeah. all that. Yeah. Uh, and B, my responsibility is to run the club. But if it can be funded through government, and I think there's an appetite in government to support the club, yeah. I think the car, this, like, I think, Cork, even as a county, just needs it absolutely yeah, as a yeah. facility. There's such a lack, and we're we're experiencing this because there's such a lack of facilities within within the county in certain areas. Um, but I I'd like that if it's going to be funded by government, I'm happy for that to be as a charity or as a whatever. So it's whoever somebody is going to come into the club mm. after me, so that it's left as a, that that'll be my legacy left behind. Yeah, yeah. If that makes sense. Um, so that it's it's it can never be tampered with or yeah. sold on or whatever. It's for specifically for Cork City with the academy and the academy is massive now. And it's not just you know the the the, the first teams academy and from under fourteen is going to be under thirteen coming on. There's the women's side of the game, which is it's going huge. to go massive oh, after this World huge. Cup, I'd imagine. It's going to go huge, and it was really interesting. We did a launch there last Thursday, um, last Thursday week, and it was I was very it was very noticeable to me for the women's team, the bond, like Danny Murphy's done a great job there. Yeah. And we've remained amateur and we've said from the very start when all this professionalism came out with the, with the, the women's side, it, 
the numbers just do not add up yeah. as regards, you know, for the women's side yeah. or to go professional. So everybody's bought into what we're trying to do as a, as amateur. Yeah. But provide the best training we can, the best facilities we can, uh, the best opportunity to play football at a top level. Yeah. And to have a great good go at the ones that are paying the money. Yeah. You know, and show that, you know what, this isn't actually all about money sometimes. Yeah. This is about yeah. playing for your, being able to play for your county too. Yeah. You know, that's what this gives. So all the women that are in are all sort of Cork-based, living in Cork, working in Cork, educating in Cork. Brilliant. You know, we've had a couple of girls come out, you know, come up from America. Spoke to Danny that he used to coach in America. She, he had one phone call with, with one of the girls and within a week, she'd booked everything, transferred her education over to UCC, Brilliant. straight over like that. Fitted in, brilliant. It's been fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah. So there's a huge football community that's been, there is. been built. Yeah, yeah. Like there's nine Nine or ten teams. I don't know how many's there at the moment. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's you know there's another thirteen to come in at the start at twenty years well. But there's also a massive cost attributed. Yeah. Like every it's, the cost is phenomenal, and the FAI don't seem to have a problem to you know to start a new underage yeah. section that has to be paid for. Like if you look up because we're based in Cork, you travel more. We've travelled to everybody. Yeah, everybody. Yeah. And I've already spoken to the FIB about this. I feel there's an imbalance. I think there's a level of unfairness for us, the likes of Cove, Galway, Sligo, yeah. that there needs to be something done, I mm. feel, separately for us. So yeah. I've done travel grants and stuff like that as well to allow us to be, because half the money's going on travel expenses. You know, so when, you know, when, I, when we go talking to, you know, for corporate sponsorship and stuff as well, that's what you're supporting as well. It's not just money going into the first team. Yeah, there's a there's six figure sums going into academies in the women's section. We need we absolutely need support. So all these, for example, events that we're looking to do, if anybody can support us, they are going to be released in the next couple of weeks. If anybody can support us on that, and they range from two and a half grand up to ten grand. There's you know people can can contribute to the to the academy stuff yeah. and if you contribute if you say oh I need to go there it will go there yeah um and there's loads of work we can do loads of work we can do you're following a similar model to what the uh, the rugby have been very good at that in terms of their commercial model they do a lot of events abroad in london and new york mm. and things like that so that I, i'd imagine it's going to be the same now they're kind of run uh, by the irfu as well yeah. so a slightly different model to yourself yeah. but they're commercialized absolutely yeah and like it's a results business football. Yeah. Like by the end of the season, what are you hoping for? I'm still alive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that you're not killed by the shade. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, yeah. Uh, look, this is this is a year of learning for me. Yeah. It's yeah. a year of learning. Yeah. Uh, I think, look, survival is obviously number one. And I think next season is going to be so competitive. Yeah. Because I, I, I have a funny, I've my own ideas as regards who I think is going to go up and who's going to go down yeah. but I think next season is going to be way more competitive than this season which yeah. but it also means that we'll have better crowds more mm. full houses um, so look first of all is survival mm. and then after that look we finished fifth mm. I think I'd be pretty happy with that with a, with a bit of a cup run or something potentially like that. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, think so, yeah. yeah I think so and look the, the, the narrative that I'm reading online is I think for most of the there's realism about you know from Cork City fans mm. that you know most people are saying look Let's just stay up for now. I think people are happy with that. But it's really important that people have said to me all the time, you know, geez, the Cork City fans are fantastic. And then they always, they always say, yeah, but we're also very fickle. That's, they always say that about, the, you know, they stop yeah. going to matches. And I think that's the bit that I have to do, maybe do a little bit of work on throughout the season and ask the question of supporters. Why do you come to matches? 
Yeah. Did you come to a match because the team was winning or losing? Mm. Or did you come to the match because your pals are there, it's a Friday night, you're going for a drink, you're meeting old friends, maybe making new friends. Yeah. It's a social occasion. It has to be more than just a result. Mm. And support the club. You know, it's no good, you know, you're not a, I suppose that would be too good. You're not a true supporter if you're not coming. Yeah. Because we're not winning, we've lost a couple of matches yeah, in a row. Yeah. And yeah. it's changing that narrative around why people come to matches. So, for example, we're sold out tonight. Okay. Yeah. The atmosphere of tonight's match is going to be unreal. I know it is. We're playing UCD in two weeks' time. Why can't we do the same for that? Mm, mm. Why can't we? And why, it's all why, about momentum. Why yeah. can't the same people who are coming tonight yeah. come in two weeks' time? Yeah. There's nothing to stop you. Ah, it's UCD. Yeah. Then why are you coming to matches? Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, it's maybe just a different way of, and I'm sort of putting it up to people, yeah. putting it up to supporters a little bit to say, come on, let's let's go on a journey. But the club yeah. needs all their support because the contribution that the supporters make to that team yeah. as a 12th man. So the number 12 jersey, for example, was retired a number of years ago. Yeah. Deliberately. Because the 12th man, number 12 is the fans yeah. or the supporters. That's how important. And I know that when the, there's new music tonight for the walk-in for, for, for the team, once the players hear that and they hear the fans outside, jeez, what a feeling that's going to be. It's going to be unbelievable. Even for myself, I'm getting goosebumps even thinking about it. It's brilliant. I can see the excitement. Yeah. You know, and like potentially the club could get back into Europe over the next couple of years. Will you organise things like friendlies and stuff like that as well? Like, or Any opportunity where yeah. we can, you know, uh, you know, do something to, mm. you know, raise the profile of the I, club, maybe get some money in that way. We'll yeah. be looking at it. Obviously, we, we, in recent times, we've seen Munster bring South Africa to Parky Cueve, potentially, yeah. you know, some collaboration with the GA to use a phenomenal stadium on the doorstep if there was a bigger occasion. Potentially, yeah. You know, um, I like, and is like that. That would be the fear that Turner's Cross could end up being too small. I'd love to have that problem. It would be a nice problem I'd to love have. To have that problem, but we can do like the seven thousand seats. You know, yeah. we lose five hundred tonight because of the segregation with the away fans. Yeah. Um, but like you know, it's a, the six and six six. I think is the number for tonight. Yeah. Um, that's all sold out. Uh, if I can have that every week, my God. We can do we can do really well, you know. Even as regards playing budgets and everything, yeah. it all makes a difference. But I almost I'm underwriting. If it if we don't get the numbers, I'm underwriting that part. Yes, but it could be great to know year on year we could sustain, mm. and you know, even the number of season tickets that are sold. Like there's only an average of usually a thousand. Even when back in 2017, 18, when things were going so well, there was only ever twelve hundred season tickets sold in a season. Yeah. It's way too low. Like, look what everybody else is doing yeah. uh, in, in in different clubs. Now, there's issues, you know, there's, there's things around other clubs in Dublin where they've got very much more limited capacity than we have. Yeah. But it's an area where if we can just, if there's a level of guarantee for me or a level of certainty around what we're doing, mm. you know, we can push the boat out a little bit um, and try and raise some more money to get more players in. Because the reality with football, it does come down to budget. Mm. But I ain't going chasing Rovers and Derry. You know, there's still two other spots for Europe available, yeah. which I feel we can compete with. Yeah. Um, and we should be able to have a, have a go at that. But this year is learning for me. There's a bit of learning for Colin as well. First time in Premier Football as well. Like he's yeah. done fantastically well for the last two years. We've got a really good relationship. We talk every day. Um, he's He runs the football side. I run the business side. That's the way it works. And that's yeah. the way it should be probably yeah. for a football club as yeah. well. Yeah. Business person running the, the actual day-to-day stuff. Yeah. You know, away from it. 
Dermot, we usually finish the podcast with three questions. Oh God, I'm glad. I was thought of you were going to ask me for a song or something like that. No, no song. We leave, <laughs> we, we leave you to do that at the, yeah, in the shed yeah. or somewhere you like that. Get me at ten o'clock tonight. <laughs> hopefully, walking out with my arms above my head. And I know this podcast goes out after the yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. the actual first game yeah. of the season. So we wish you best of luck with Thank that you one. Very much. Um, and hopefully, when this goes out, that there's maybe a win or a good result at yeah. least anyway on the Arbels. Um, but we finished the, the the podcast with three questions. So the first one I have is, and with all your experience over 30 years in business, what tip would you give uh, another business to build our brand? Uh, look at things from the customer back to you and not from you out to the customer. Okay, so a bit of research. Um, understanding what it would be like to be your customer yeah, buying yeah. your product. Okay, And even if you're not selling to that customer directly, yeah, and it's going through maybe you're, you're a distributor going through a retailer to mm. sell it on Yeah, you need to still look at it that way too I think you make far different decisions you look at things through a different lens when you do that and is that what you're doing at the moment with Cork City I, you're looking at who are the fans from all different perspectives I'm, my own experience of being a fan Yeah, what's, what was, what's my fan experience been yeah. and that's how I look at it yeah absolutely the second question I have is um, what tip would you give an individual so I'm thinking Someone that maybe is um, taking over a family business like you did. Yeah. You know, and bringing it to the next level. What tip would you give? Self-awareness is a huge part. Mm. Know what you're good at. Know what you're not good at, most importantly. Do more of what you're good at. Stop doing what you're not good at and get best people in your can around around you. Great advice. And the last one I have is we have a sponsor in the show called Skillsbase. And every week we look for what skill we think is essential in an industry now, you're probably just into the football industry. So I'm just thinking running a business in general, um, being the CEO, what skill do you think you need as a CEO? Ability to bring people along on a journey. In terms of guiding them, delegating? Yeah, I w- w- just bringing people with you. Like when you're managing people, mm. I think back when I was in my early 30s, I wasn't the easiest person to be around. Yeah. Because I wasn't happy in my own skin and my own place at that time. Since I've gone away and done a bit good bit of work on myself, I think I've become a, a nicer person, better person to be around, yeah. uh, happier within myself. And that's reflected now, I think, in the experience that I have with other people. And I think it's that ability now to be able to bring people on that journey with you, encourage, be as positive as you can. You know, there's a, so much negativity out there and, yeah. you know, it's just it just drains people, absolutely drains everybody. Um, allow people to be wrong. Yeah. You don't always have to correct them, yeah. um, you know, and just, just bring people along which as best you can and give people responsibility uh, as much as you can. And let if someone comes up with an idea, let, allow them sometimes to have ownership of it and develop it and be part of it. And then, you know, It'll, 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 it'll always run well and people will come to you with more ideas because I don't have all the answers yeah. and you know people obviously I'm accessible on social media I've been yeah. quite active on it and mm-hmm. I'm openly saying to people if you're not happy with something at the club now don't come on moaning to me I don't, yeah. but, but I have no issue I'll meet anybody for a cup of coffee Yeah. Um. even if you just want to talk about your own if you want to talk about your own business or problems that's going on I'm happy yeah. to reach out to me no problem yeah. I'll meet you if I can help I will but just just talk you know what I mean just talk and uh, we, we can you can get through it. And I'm sure there'll be a lot of talking done for the season ahead. I'm sure loads of people will probably reach out after this. It's been a fascinating conversation. Thanks a million for coming on and um, best of luck. You know, I think I think it's a great decision on your behalf. I think you'll enjoy your time in Cork and I think the people will definitely encourage you along the way as yeah, well. Yeah, so far it's been, I've got a great welcome, really have. 
Well, we, we do appreciate you asking me onto the show. Thanks, Stephen. Thanks, William. That wraps up this week's podcast. Thanks again to our sponsor, Skillsbase app, which is a solutions provider for companies looking for mobile-first engagement and blended learning tools. To find out more information on what they can do, visit skillsbase.ie. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the show and get in contact with us on all social platforms. I will be back again next week with a brand new episode.